Hour 16 review on the Doctor Supercoach podcast. I'm Jordan and joined again this week by Geary. Geary, tell us how your week went, mate. Um, yeah, week went all right. Uh, actually, it wasn't that good, to be honest. I uh, <laughs> only scored 2,127. Um, that saw my rank drop 1,773 spots. So now I'm sitting at a measly 18,661 in my overall ranking. Yeah. Yeah, I had a bad couple of weeks since that last buy. So, um, yeah, I have to really step things up if I want to reach my goal of uh, 10K, my revised goal of uh, 10K this season. <laughs> yep, fair enough. Um, my week was okay. It was probably a little bit better than okay, but 2,335. I've moved up into the 10K bracket again. I'm at 9K. Um, jumped 2K spots this week, which gives me an overall jump of about 14K in the last three weeks. So I'm definitely trending in the right direction, and I'm hopefully, if I keep going this way, heading towards my goal of in the top 1K like last year. So um, hopefully all continues going well, and there's not too many injuries. And yes, I know we've lost Gaz, but we'll talk about him later. We'll get into the round review firstly, and up first we have Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne, and... Another outstanding game from Robbie Gray. So if you got on him, very, very happy customers. Yeah, um, he just did everything that Robbie we expect Robbie Gray to do. Um, he won the pill. He kicked goals at crucial times, which only helped his score um, rise uh, significantly. And he scaled to 132 in the end, so... Uh, those who had the VC on him would be pretty happy with that. Yeah, anything above 120, you definitely take. Anything above 130, you'd be very happy with. Um, owners who have Pittard, and there aren't a lot of them considering his amazing season thus far. Maybe not amazing, but he's been very consistent. Um, he scored a nice score around that 90 mark. Um, owners of him would just be happy that he's still flying under the radar. Yeah, um... His ownership would be quite low still, and I think he'd probably be in the... He'd definitely be in the top eight. Not quite sure if he's in the top six defenders for the year, but to have such low ownership at that as well is uh, it's quite astounding. Yeah, it's so very unique. Looking for a, yeah, if you're looking for a last uh, defensive upgrade, um, which most people should be at full primo anyway, but if you are looking for that last defensive upgrade... I think Jasper Pittard's an excellent selection. Yeah, that. especially if you've got all the stock standard one picks that everyone else have and they're just travelling along nicely. Just go for a little left fielder, give you that edge in the leagues or in the ranks and sort of just ride them from there. Now, someone that people have done this with is Wingard, who another score in the 70s, although he had a pretty good game and kicked him through the sticks quite a bit, he was just a little down on his regular output, but expect him to bounce back, I reckon. Um, looking on the other side of the table, it's Sam Mitchell, who scored another 110-plus score, and his last few weeks have been outstanding. Geary, you've traded him in in the last week. How's that going for you? Yeah, um, I brought him in last week. Uh, I think he's, uh, for his old body, he's uh, well-rested. He had the buy, and he's been, like, you know... I wouldn't say dropped, but 
he's been omitted a, f- a couple of times this season. So I think now that his body's well rested, I'm fairly confident that he's uh, set himself up for a good run home um, towards the end of the season. Yeah, and I was pretty. I was very happy with his one seventeen. Yeah, and so, he, he was very cheap for what output he may produce. So um, owners of him or people that have jumped on the last couple of weeks would be happy with their investment so far. Um, those who have Gunston was pretty happy. Again, he scored in the 90s. He's just been a consistent key forward this year, which is, I mean, we've been lacking quite um, quite bad for the last few years, a consistent key forward. But Gunston has filled that void quite nicely. And a consistent key back is on the other hand, and that's Gibson, who scored another score in the 80s. Yeah, um, both of them just consistently do what's expected the expected of them. Um, Josh Gibson plays that uh, good, you know, key defensive slash rebound role. Um, he alternated between the two pretty well last week. Um, as for Jack Gunston, amazing goal sense. I'm not quite sure how many goals he kicked, but I'm sure he did have a few, and I'm pretty sure that contributed. Yeah. Um, well to the cause. Yeah, and he gets around the ground fairly nicely, especially for a... He's not a massive forward, but he's just that medium-type forward. So that run, just he's just yeah. um, a good mark and gets around the ground. So Gunner owners would be very happy so far. And Kieran Brand, lastly, if you held on to him, he may actually offer some value as a bench option, maybe just like a little... Um, if someone goes down with injury or maybe a little loophole... Sneaky option. I wouldn't trust it every week, but every now and then he might pull out these decent around the 90 scores. Um, moving on to yeah. the Geelong-Sydney game, with probably an unexpected result. Dangerfield, just outstanding again. Um, if you had a look at his quarter-time results, you'd say 130 is average, but he's, it's just another 135, isn't it? If you looked at his quarter-time score and then looked at his full-time score, you'd almost say that um, he had a poor three quarters after that. Yeah, um, well held. Yeah, yeah, one thirty-five is well. It's pretty much it's almost Dangerfield's average, isn't it? So you'd it is, take yes. that every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. it's what so we expect. Yeah, him that's now. something. Yeah, that's you take the base. Uh, take his VC score and just be be over with, really. Yeah, take it and run, pretty much. And someone who hopefully didn't VC and probably has fallen out as a VC option altogether, considering he shares the midfield with Dangerfield, is Selwood, who just scored a low ton. He's just ticking along nicely, but you can't really complain about that sort of score. Nah, nah, not really. Um, Long, they got beaten as well. Um, I wouldn't say too many worries about that. Um, Dangerfield continued to score well. Uh, Selwood, usually when Geelong win, he generally goes for his big 130 scores as well. But um, in this loss, you can't really complain about a Joel Selwood 102, which I think is what he's held to. Yeah, and I mean, anything above 100, you'll just take from your premiums and Selwood will bounce back and have a massive score in the next couple of weeks. He can guarantee that. Now, Jimmy Bartell was down on his usual input, um, especially after the last couple of months that he's had. He's been outstanding. Um, just a score in the 70s after a loss. He was just sort of... He wasn't tagged, but I'd, I'd say that they paid a little bit of attention from him. He was a little bit sloppy around the ball, so um, not something you'd expect from Jimmy every week, so yeah. you just sort of take the good with the bad with him. 
So I think it's just a once-off. Yeah. Might have another one or two of these games coming into the run home, but I'd say that's about it. Yeah, definitely. So he's pretty reliable, that's for sure. And those who jumped on Stevie Motlop still pulling their hair out and hopefully have jumped off before this. Uh, just It's been a train wreck. It's just bad game after bad game. And talk of him being dropped to yeah. the VFL, but what good would that do them? But, yeah, just it's... Yeah, I mean, he's a talented kid, just yeah. uh, doesn't seem to pull it up on game day. He's just, he's just had an average season. He had that really purple patch, and then since then, it's just it's really been an average season. So on to next year for Mox, yeah. I reckon. And on to the Sydney yeah. team. Um, their midfield was just... It was standard, typical midfield, but far out. They just keep on ticking along. Yeah. Look at this little cluster of four players with Tom Mitchell, Josh Kennedy, Luke Parker, and Dan Hanabry all scoring 105 or more after scaling, and it's just, they continue to do what they do. Yeah, uh, just that midfield unit as well. If you, like, I doubt anyone would have him, but uh, Kieran Jack as well, like, leading the charge. Yeah. Uh, I guess we don't, I guess we don't really need to mention uh, what's been said in the media about him, but he uh, definitely stood up on Friday night. He's a champion. I, I loved every single yeah. touch he got. That goal at the start, he was just... He's yeah, just he just looks like a champion bloke as well, and yeah, it's those sort of things in the AFL yeah. that make you forget about the footy sense and just really barrack for the player. That's for sure. Um, now, yeah. Buddy Franklin was just around his usual output around the nineties, yeah. and uh, yeah, yeah. Last week you had one hundred and seventeen. This week you have ninety. So I mean, he's just he's, 90, yeah. Scale to 96. Oh, you'd be happy with that for sure. Yeah, very consistent, buddy, which I'm not used to, but it means those massive scores aren't really there. McVeigh. Disappointing, though, was, uh, yeah, McVeigh. I beat you to it, mate. Um, He was in the (laughs) 70s, and I feel like he played better than the 70s, but he just was a little bit sloppy around the peel, didn't collect enough of it, and um, almost outscored by Aaliyah Aaliyah, who played his, I think that was just his second game, so... Um, those is that is that his second game? Am I right there? I think he, that might have been his third game, actually. Um, if that's his third game, I don't know why I put him on the run sheet. I'm going to check that right now. Yeah, that was his third game, Jordan. Oh boy, let's not talk about Alira Alira. If you've got him on your bench, then you're pretty happy with that sixty. But you're not trading him in, so I don't know why we're talking about him. James Rose, who may be on your bench as well, scored a poor, poor, poor score around the 30s so um, if yeah, you're counting on him for best. cover for Dowhouse slash Barlow slash Wells slash probably any other forward out there then not very good yeah. from him ah oh, geez James Rose owners you paid extra for him and it's just yeah not good not good at all um, on to the next game and speaking of not good GWS as a whole not only was their on-field performance bad, but they killed our super coach too. Owners of Heath Shaw would be oh. unhappy, but sort of okay-ish. Callum Ward owners would be very unhappy. Ward Dylan Shill owners, very unhappy. And even, I mean, Toby Green's all the way down there. Had to score now for about five minutes to find his score. Um, just a poor performance. Yeah, yeah they looked out of it. Uh, not taking anything away from Collingwood. They played exceptionally well. But, um, yeah, GWS, they really got done in. I think from a Supercoach perspective, uh, the only ones that 
the only relevant players that really stood up were probably those who brought in Zach Williams. Yep. Um, he got scaled to 90, and uh, if you've got Shane Mumford for some reason, he did pretty well. Uh, yeah. He turned up, so yeah, that's a plus point. Yeah, very good for those uh, two, but yeah. Uh, even Caniglio yeah, was down um, his um, his reign, and Tom Scully as well. It's just no one fired for GWS. They killed him in the midfield, and nah. that midfield is what we'll talk about for Collingwood because Sidebottom had a ripper game. Um, Pendlebury was yeah. able to score the ton. Adam Trelaw, though, he's had such a poor six weeks, and we'll talk about him later when talking about Gaz, but he's really falling off, uh, falling off the cliff, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he had a purple patch earlier in the season, and I think he's just, well, he's just gone off the face of the earth, really. Just yeah. no idea what's happened to him. And those who traded in Jeremy Howe, finally, they are reaping the rewards on that one. He had an absolute blinder again. Um, he's just been yeah. out of nowhere, and I don't even want to talk about him because people are just, uh, people that got him at around 400k are just licking their lips, and I'm, I'm sitting there with Daniel yeah. Rich in my team. Not liking that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> oh, it's so depressing. <laughs> Every person yeah, I get on the podcast has him, and it's just... I mean, Chizo has him, I'm pretty sure. I know Damon has him. It's just... Oh, such a nightmare hey, to own. Pretty, yeah, I think it's a pretty good segue into the next game, I reckon, Jordan. Yeah, definitely, which is Gold Coast versus Brisbane. And speaking of headaches, Aaron Hall wasn't a headache. 94 pre-scale, I think you got up to about 96... Um, he's finally getting that midfield time and he was even starved of it a bit in this match until a couple of the mids went down and then he just sort of just stepped up another yeah. another notch and scored yeah. that 90. So, um, good yeah, by him. one of those mids who did go down, however. Um, I think that's the big talk of the town in the Supercoach world. No, I don't want to talk about it. I just... I've, Me neither, but we have to, Jordan. I don't have many trades left, and Gary Ablett was one of those players I didn't expect to trade out. Well, I kind of did, but didn't want to trade yeah, out. Yeah, kind of did. Don't lie, Jordan. Don't it's lie. true. It's true. We, we all expected it. Um, I right. mean, if it wasn't going to be Tom Rockliffe, it was going to be Gary Ablett. It's true, and I've got both, and it could still be Tom Rockliffe, so let's cross our fingers <laughs> on that one. Jesus. And Ryan Davis scored about 85, which was... Very solid bench cover if you held on to him, but you're right. The main talking points are Gary Ablett and Riscatelli. Both of them went down. More mid-time for Aaron Hall, perhaps? Yeah, um, if you've held on to him, yeah, it's good on you. Um, really good uh, discipline there with your trades. Did you hold um, on to him, I'm Gary? I'm pretty sure... Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> so bad so, discipline. Uh, I, I think I deserve a spank for that. Oh, okay. We won't nah, get into nah, that, nah, Gary. Nah. Come on, mate. Yeah, nah, um, but yeah, props to you if you did hold on to him. So props to He's me. It's going to be, yeah, props to you, Jordan. Thanks, mate. That's what I wanted to hear all along. <laughs> I just needed your approval on, on that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, hopefully it does mean some extra midfield time. Gary Ablett gone down, Riscatelli gone down. If we can find a positive out of all of it, it's that. And um, yeah, so let's just fingers crossed on that one. By the way, if you are listening and you haven't seen the page, Gary out for the season. So we will talk more about him later, though. So on to Brisbane, on to Brisbane's team. Um, Yeah, not their team in general. We're not talking about their on-field play, but their super coach aspect. Um, Both were pretty poor. Uh, Actually, I wouldn't say that. We, We... 
we got over 100 points, so you got to take the positives when they're there, I guess. You stuck it to them for a while, but yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as positive as it can be, it was just Gold Coast, though, so don't get too excited. Um, Stefan Martin, Dane Zorko, and Tom Rockliffe all scored above 90. Um, Daniel yeah. Rich got KO'd, it looked like, for a little while there, but he did come back on, spent almost a quarter on the bench, um, getting um, looked at for that concussion. He only scored 60, which is such a kick in the guts, though. You talk about being undisciplined with trades. I've been undisciplined with Aaron Hall, Michael Barlow until he got injured this most recent time, and Dar- Daniel Rich, who just has not bounced back like the others, and it's just it's so poor. Yeah. Why have I held him? So you you don't, almost say you've like held on to the wrong ones. No. Uh, besides Hall. Yeah, well, uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because I know for a fact that you've traded Daniel Wells as well. So that <laughs> thanks for bringing that, that up. That would have bet you for a bit. Yeah, thank, thanks for uh, thanks yeah. for that. One. I needed that in my time of need. Um, I, I did need to remind you of that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. I I do appreciate that. It's kept me in line. So um, the rookies for Brisbane yeah. were solid. Matheson scored in the seventies, and Jansen just the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you've got them for cover, then you'd be pretty happy to know that they're going to score. At least 65 plus for you most games. So that takes us to our next game. And Bontempelli, I did call this and I'm going to take massive claims on it. I did say a couple of weeks ago to trade him in if you're looking for that last midfield spot as a unique. And he's still scoring massively, 140 this week. And him and Boyd were amazing. Um, Not so amazing was Jason Johannesson. If you traded him in early... What are you thinking at this point, Gary? I still wouldn't be too concerned because he's there's still a long way to go. He's still coming off a big injury, but I'd be very wary, especially if you're in a couple of uh, tight head-to-heads in your leagues. Um, just uh, be very wary of his score. And I'd even go as far as saying, if you've got a playing, if you're able to loophole in your back line for someone like Johannesson, by all means do it. Yeah, it's gotten to that stage, hasn't it? He's just, without last yeah. last week's goal after the siren, it would have been another score in the 60s. This week's score in the 60s, and it just doesn't look excellent for him. I don't. He hasn't played without Rob Murphy, so no one really considered that when trading him back in. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's just something to think about. And lastly is Libba. So, got injured, only scored in the 40s, unfortunately, and he, he is likely to play this week, we've already heard, which is good news, but if you've still got Liberatore, you just need to upgrade him as your last midfield upgrade, don't you? Yeah, um, he's averaging like just under 100, and um, if, you're, if he's your first, if he's in your uh, top eight midfielders, you should seriously consider uh, moving him up, because, you know, from your first eight midfielders, you're looking at an average of about 105 plus, and I don't see Liberatore doing that uh, for the rest of the year. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, definitely need to move him on. Yeah, I think he's become quite the priority to trade out. That's for sure. Um, now, past that, we will look at Richmond's team, who are outstanding on the day. It must be said. Um, their big three, specifically Martin and Deledio, really stood up. Deledio scored 91, which you'll take. You'll take that for a, 
Um, a game where they should have been pummeled, yeah, and he is a forward. Dustin Martin, who's also a forward, was able to score in excess of 105, which is excellent. And then you look yeah. down at Rance, who only scored 73. He's just being underwhelming. Yeah, I've bad. I traded him in a couple of weeks ago, and these 70s aren't too bad, especially when you got rich from your team, but they're just really below expectation for Rance. Yeah, uh, you'd at least expect scores of, like, in 85-plus yeah. from someone like Rance, but he just doesn't seem to be getting there. And it's yeah. a bit concerning, but you'd live in hope that he can turn it around. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then if you scroll down Richmond's list, and especially the list in age-wise, um, Menadju, Kostagna, and Markov... Well, all excellent, really. It must be said, if you've still got manager who I'm actually playing on field for Dowhouse, um, he scored in he scored seventy one post scale, I think, maybe seventy three, no seventy one. Um, and I I was stoked with that. That's probably eleven more than what I thought he would score. So, um, and if you're thinking of getting Markov just for a smoky little random, um, I don't know, M eleven. Then it must be said he yeah. looks like he'll score okay as well. So, um, as with Castagna, uh, who's yeah. defensive, yeah, they all look, yeah, they all look uh, like pretty solid rookie options. Um, so I probably wouldn't consider trading Connor Manager at this stage. He seems to have uh, recovered his spot back in the team, and yeah. Um, as for the other two, job uh, security looks. Okay, for now they put in good performances, so I can't see too much reason to see them dropped. Look, even if they didn't, um, I reckon Richmond are really keen on playing those young ones for the rest of the season. So I think you could be pretty safe yeah. to say they're going to play at least um, three or four more games. And if they do that, then why not just play them for the rest of the season? I reckon, I reckon they're pretty safe in that team. That's for sure. And it's, it's same with Manager. Even in with the dip of form, I reckon they'll they'll be okay for a little while. Um, now, we yeah. don't want to talk too much about these rookies because it's not rookie season anymore. We'll move on to the next game, which was Melbourne versus Fremantle, a game which I thought would be closer on the scoreboard. Um, but Max Gorn, just again, over 140, and he is just a mountain, a machine, when he's outside of the MCG. Yeah, he's uh, ridiculous. Um, 140 this week. He just continues to get it done. Um, it's almost uh, similar to what um, Todd Goldstein was last year. Yeah. He just continues to pump out these massive scores, just continues to dominate his opponent. And I don't have Gorn currently, and I'm really regretting it every single week. Yeah, it would hurt on the scoreboard, that's for sure. And um, someone who was a smoky earlier in the year because they got super cheap... And that's Tom McDonald pumping out his first real big score of the year. Um, so that's, yeah. you know, whoever got him in there probably reaping the rewards right now. Hopefully he backs it up. And then you got Viney with 110 plus. Owners of him would be happy, but still a massive POD. Um, Petrarca's looking like worse and worse cover as the week's going. His body's just looking a bit tired. Probably yeah. drew for a rest um, within the next couple of weeks. So... Um, owners be wary of that if he's covering for a Dow House Barlow Wells and they're not back next week. Um, and yeah, this wasn't a massive super coach friendly game. You had Lockie Neal who did Lockie Neal things, 
And then you had the rookies, yeah. Collins and Tucker. And, I mean, there just wasn't a lot to talk about in that match. I mean, everyone was just about where they needed to be, I reckon. Yeah, not much to see here, really. No big surprises. But, yeah, those with Lockie Neal and Max Gorn, they're probably the two main ones. Yeah, definitely. And they, delivered. they delivered. So, I guess that's all that can be said. Yeah. And um, the same with the next game. There was just a lot of normal scores. Doherty scored what you'd expect, even a little bit under considering his reputation. Simpson scored what you'd expect. Sam Carriage went unders, but you know he can put out those scores. Um, and it was Rory Laird's show who finally scored out a massive score. Let's, um, let's talk a bit about yeah, Laird. Yeah, finally had a... Um, had another big possession game, but was rewarded with the super coach points. That's for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, as of late, he's been scoring like eighties and nineties, which is still pretty good. But yeah, the one twenty six, uh, one thirty post game. Yeah, one thirty. Yeah, the one thirty this week. This is really, if he can pull out one of these once every month. Uh, along with his nineties uh, and low tons, you're laughing, mate. Like yeah, definitely. This is exactly what you need. Yeah, exactly what you need from a defender. Lock him in um, as a top six defender. That's for that's for sure. And he's uh, no, I was going to say captain then, but he's um, on ground. One, he, he would be one of their captains. Is Rory Sloan, who just continues to have an amazing couple of weeks, few weeks actually. He's strung together about five, six, seven amazing games. And um, Brad Crouch looks like if you have about 10 trades left, you could even try and get some cover at a very cheap price with Brad Crouch. Who's, um, Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. No, I know. I know, but I mean, he's I got... finally stringing a few together and he, he actually looks good. Yeah, uh, I got burnt for two months by Brad Crouch. Just continued to like slowly just oh, burn holes in my body and it was painful. But who did select him at the start of the year? Yeah, yeah. That you, was me. you kind of brought it on yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I kind of did, didn't I? Speaking of um, Burns, look at Brody Smith. He finally scored an 80, but he has just been woeful compared to what people expected him to do this season. And with that being said, that game was a bit of a downer as well. And with that being said, the next game was a bit of a downer as well. If you had Pritis and Goldstein like 100% of the competition did, then you were happy with their scores. Yeah. But P.O.D.'s Elliot Yo and Josh J. Kennedy were good as well. But, I mean, they just didn't capitalize on their normal um, domain stadium dominance. They both scored really well, but yeah. um, they're, the, they're the sort of scores that you need them to score big considering their interstate troubles. But, yeah. I mean, just not, not a big game at all. And... I mean, if we're being brutally honest here, Essendon and St. Kilda wasn't either. You had Zach Merritt do what he needed to do. Um, I suppose yeah. Tip and Woody was a surprise. He went into the forward line and actually um, booted a few and set up a few. He was excellent. If you held on to him, he's yeah. going to be an excellent cover throughout and um, really just count the lucky stars that he's, he hasn't calmed down like yeah. everyone thought he would. On the other side, you had Nick Rewalt doing what he probably should in a in a win, and Lee Montagna probably going a little bit unders. But the yeah, big score unders. was Jack Stephen. Yeah, how good was he? He was fantastic. Yep, and um, I'm going to cut our talk about him short because we will go into his um, 
pedigree as an Ablett replacement a bit later. And I have sort of rushed through those last few games that weren't exactly relevant, so we could get onto this Ablett chat, which I know everybody has tuned in for. And let's just hit it hard straight away. We've broken everything up into categories. First category is must-gets. Now, if you've got the money for Dangerfield or Pendlebury, because you'll need an upgrade to get those two, it is a no-brainer. You yeah. get them in, Geary. Yep, absolutely. Uh, uh, I really don't want to say, oh, if you don't have him, because most of them, most of you guys should have, if not both, at least you'd have Dangerfield. Yep. Um, yes, but yeah, if you don't have Pendlebury for whatever reason, um, now's a very good time to just do the straight swap and be over with. Yeah, and he won't cost you very much money at all. And someone that is our third and final lock, if you don't have, who will actually make you um, about 50 grand is Hanabry, who's averaging 115, two scores below 100. He is an absolute lock if you don't already own him. Yeah, um, absolutely. absolutely. He's had a bit of a down patch. I wouldn't say, oh, it's, it's a bit stiff to call it a down patch, really, but it's let's just say it's less than that uh, 115 average. Uh which is why his, uh, which is why his price has dropped to what it has, but he's still definitely an excellent option. Yeah, definitely, and they're the three absolute locks. Where if you've listened to this much of the podcast, you're wondering who to get in for Ablett, you don't have those three players. You can tune out now because they are the three that you need to get in if you do not already own and you have the cash to do so. Yeah. Um, me, on the yeah. other hand, I don't have Pendlebury. I do have the other two. I actually don't have the money to upgrade to Pendlebury because I spent every cent of my um, bank on my last upgrade. So I'll be looking at alternate options. A um, little bit sad, but what do you do? Um, now, the yeah. next category we'll go through, Geary, are the yeah. mid-range type of expected picks, picks that people um, will generally look to first. And that is, we'll start off with Parker. Averaging 111, only five scores below the ton, and a few of them were in quick succession, which made him very cheap. Last two games have been exceptional. He looks like a good pick, Parker. Yeah, um, he, yeah he did have that down patch, and um, during the initial upgrade uh, period for me, I actually stayed away because of that um, initial down patch, but he seems to have worked his way out of it, and I'm... Pretty confident that he's going to finish off the year pretty quite strongly. Yeah, no doubt. Just much like, yeah, any of the uh, Sydney mids that you have. Yeah, and we'll talk about another one, especially later. Um, the next one that we will talk about is Pritis, averaging 105 as well as Parker. He has the five scores below the ton. Um, still just very good. Good value as well. Um, <clears throat> his last couple of weeks has... Um, made him very appealing to people. Yeah, um, just another player who quite early on in the season had his down patch, worked his way through it, and he's um, almost the exact uh, case as uh, Luke Parker, who's just worked his way out of it and now is really leading his uh, midfield unit. Yeah, they've bounced back, that's for sure. And um, the next player has done the same. Average of 104, only four scores below the tonne. Robbie Gray. Yeah, um, Robbie Gray also had to deal with his uh, injury as well. Yeah. Um, I brought him in. Yeah, I brought him in. I think, yeah, I brought Robbie Gray in as my five replacement. 
So, um, and the following week, I think he got injured as well, so that didn't really help too much. He's been good, though. But, he has been serviceable. He's been good. He's been scoring yeah, those he um, been, 120s. He, he has been good. He has been, yeah, he has been really good. Um, and I think he's probably going to average something in the range of 105 to 110 for the rest of the season, yeah. I reckon. Um, if you if you struck the cat if you stuck the cash, um, he provides really good value for yep. what he can provide for what he can perform at. No doubt, no doubt at all. And as with the next player, Callum Ward, average of one hundred and six. Um, he's actually scored the six scores below the ton. Um, you're an owner, so I'm going to say you're biased and not consider your opinion at all here. Um, I'm not big yeah. on Callum Ward. He j- he just he scores bigger. He scores small and. I mean, when we're replacing Gary Ablett, we really want a consistent output, and I feel like even those first three players just offer that way, way, way more than Callum Ward does, unfortunately. So, um, not massive yeah. on him I, at all, to be honest. Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm kind of regretting bringing him in, seeing as I brought him in. I brought him in at a quite expensive uh, price to what he is now. He's he's sub four hundred. He's sub five hundred now. I got him at about five ninety five, which uh, I'd say I'm regretting every minute of it. Minute of it, really. If I could do it all over again, Cullen Ward's probably the one trade in that I wouldn't make, wouldn't have made. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd say stay away from Cullen Ward. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm going to reiterate these are our boring picks. We're gonna we're gonna get into some better picks in a minute. Yeah, we've but... got the most juicy ones. Oh, way juicier. So let's just smash through these ones. Yeah. Joel Selwood's next, 112 average with only four scores below the ton. He actually looks exceptional. So wait, I'll just repeat that. He actually looks exceptional. So um, if you, I mean, I've I've got him in serious consideration because um, I don't own him. But yeah, Selwood just looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, I own Joel Selwood and. I'm very happy that I have him in my side. Um, when I first got him in, he had a couple of games where it was a bit down. I think he got a couple of uh, 70s. But um, apart from that, uh, the times where Geelong has won, he scored really big. Like him and Dan- that Dangerwood combination has really worked well. And even last week where um, Sydney beat them, he still managed to get a low ton, like 102, which is still something you'd take for what you'd consider a bad game for Joel Selwood. Yeah, definitely. And he's obviously an exceptional pick. Um, two that I'm just going to brush past. First of all, Tom Rockliffe averaging 100 on the dot. Five scores below the ton. This, for a replacement for Ablett, I probably wouldn't consider him too strongly. Even though I already own him, I'd say um, a yeah, little bit of a stay away. Yeah, he's a bit of a trap, I reckon. Um, potential's there, but uh, I think just... The nature in which the line season has gone, um, it's just they're gonna they're gonna struggle, and I think Tom Rockliffe might not be that you know big scoring player that he once was. Yeah, definitely. Um, having said that, having said that, if you've still got him, hold on to him. But um, yeah, he's not worth really bringing in as a Gary Ablett replacement. Yeah, I definitely agree. And as with the next bloke, who is Sam Mitchell, seven scores below the ton now, which um, speaks for itself. Really. He's averaging 105, which shows how high he can score. And most of those scores below the ton have been in the 90s. But 
Um, I just don't trust Mitchell to, to have a decent enough run home. And um, I'm going to cut you off before you say anything because we spoke about Mitchell earlier. But they are the most boring yep. picks we've looked at. The last two, yep. who are the most obvious of everyone, starting with Neil, who's got a 113 average, two scores below the tonne. Um, one of them was atrocious. One of them wasn't even that bad. Neil is the obvious option if you don't own him. He's the most boring option if you don't own him. And um, yeah. if you don't want to have to think about it, if you don't want to, like if you're in a decent position, maybe your top spot in your ladder, your top hundred in your rankings, Neil is probably the player that you'd look to get in. Out of the ones we've listed so far, I think Neil's probably the. I think he's the highest averaging one. I think he's averaging about 113. So yeah. it's a no-brainer. He continues to you know win the pill. It's the he's going to score well as a result of it. So yeah, yeah. no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't want to think about a replacement, get on Neil. Um, if you have a little bit of cash and you maybe already own Neil, the other no-brainer replacement is Rory Sloan, averaging 109, but that's more reflects his first half of the season than his second half, which has been exceptional. Six scores below the ton, which also more reflects their tough run to start off with rather than their um, easy run home and easy run for the last seven weeks. Um yeah, he, he's just another absolute gimme, and for that reason, we're not really going to talk too much about him. He's pretty much like Lockie Neal. He's had a great month. Um, he's one of those ones where you just look at his last few scores, don't think about it, lock him in if you've got a bit of cash. Um, what yeah. we're going to do, Geary, is we're going to quickly rank these players, the ones that we've just spoken yeah. about from Parker to Sloan, um, in an order of 1 to 8 of players that you'd most... Um, you think of the best replacements for Gary Ablett. So um, you can start us off, okay. mate. All right. Uh, so uh, taking the number one spot is uh, Lockie Neal, boring me. Um, number two, Joel Selwood. Uh, number three, I'd say Rory Sloan. Uh, coming in at number four is Luke Parker. Five, uh uh, Matt Prittis, number six, Sam Mitchell, seven, Robbie Gray, eight, Tom Rockliffe, and nine, Callan Ward. Wow, wow, wow. How about this? We have not one single player in the same spot. Yeah. Which I love. Oh, I love that too. <laughs> All right, so how about this for a top, um, top eight? I've got Sloan number one, mainly due to his last month. Um... He's, pro- he's actually had a better last couple of months than Lockie Neal, but Lockie Neal started the season better, so that's where those yeah. extra four average points come from. Number two yeah. is Lockie Neal. Number three is Luke Parker, who I think is getting back to his best. Number four is yeah. Joel Selwood, who's just Joel Selwood. There's not much that needs to be said. Um, number five yeah. would be Callum Ward, just due to his sheer... Um, their, their run home is very easy, so... and. Um, oh, yeah, he is a little bit high. He was your ninth. Oh, um, he was my ninth. Then I've got Robbie Gray. Um, yeah. Just I, I think out. Will Port will just go all in for the last um, last couple of months of the season. Robbie Gray will be a big part of that. Um, Matthew Prudis is the next one. He really looks like he's turned his form around. Tom Rockliffe is the next. Who we all know how he storms home, so he could be extremely dangerous. I'm sorry, mate, but Sam Mitchell's bottom for me. He's um, 
I don't find him very appealing at all, but that's just me. Yeah. No, understandable. Understandable. Um, <laughs> You're yeah, a bit hurt kind by of that. Hurt me cause I, yeah, I'm a bit hurt because... Funny, because my last two were... Um, Ward and Rockcliffe, and I've actually got them both. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. I think it's just me. Just I think it's I've just resigned to the fact that I'm not having a great season. I'm just saying, oh yeah, oh, these picks. Just if you want to save your super coach season, just stay away from these guys. Yeah, definitely a good idea. Um, but yeah, they're the very square bear top of boring picks that every podcast will say. Yes, get these guys in. They're no brainers. Get them in. Get them in for this reason, that reason. We all know the reasons. They're great picks. Um, they're going to run home, similar to what you would have expected from Ablett. Um, they are the absolute gimmies. Um, we will warn you of four picks that I think are atrocious picks, starting with Trelaw, whose last five games have read 89, 73, 119, but then 81 and 86. He's a trap. Um, he's yeah. just he's just had a poor five games and. Um, I see him turning it around and still averaging 100-plus for the rest of the season, but you just need more than that from a replacement for Ablett. Um, The very next one who you'd look at his last score of 112 and go, yeah, great pick, let's get Viney in. But the scores before that were 85, 71, 95, and 65. So um, just not that consistent of a player. Um, if you remember back to Bryce Gibbs' massive purple patch, you might consider him, but his last five have been 42, 80, 97, 102. Decent, but, I mean, just not consistent enough. Not consistent enough. Yeah, definitely. And lastly, we will warn you about Tom Mitchell, whose role is still up in the air, even though he scores those massive scores and he looks appealing most of the time. You can just never trust him. And that rules out our five, four, sorry, danger men, our nine gimmies, our three locks. And now we get to the fun stuff, Geary. We get to our five smoky picks. Um, I'll start us off with Josh P. Kennedy. What are your thoughts on him? Um, I think he's part of a really good midfield unit. And I think out of those Sydney midfielders. I think he's probably been the most consistent, bar maybe Hanabry. Yeah. Um, he had a fairly poor start. I think he's. I think his first game was in the 70s, and he's had four games in the 90s, but apart from that, he's been all tons. All right, how about this? So, I'll run this past you. Round one, 75. Since then, yeah. he's had four scores below 100. Two of them 99, one of them 97, one of them 95. So his lowest score has yeah. been 75, and that's his lowest by 20. He has been amazing yeah. this year, and I can't believe he's still flying under the radar. He's He looks like a very sneaky replacement for Ablett. Yeah, I think amongst, you know, the great scores that, you know, Parker's had and the uh, consistency that Dan Hanabry's had, I think JPK. Someone who's flown that far under the radar, I think he pro- provides great value. I think he could, I'm gonna actually, you know what? I'm gonna make this call right here. I think, I reckon for the rest of the season, JPK averages more than Parker. Ooh, is that just because you don't have Parker? No, 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 no. I think, <laughs> I, I genuinely think JPK is in for a good run home, a very good run home, and I think, I think 
He's. I think he'll do. I think he'll average more than Parker for the rest of the season. All right. Have you week. have you made a bet with a mate to say I think about forty nine times in a sentence? Because I reckon you've achieved it. But I do happen to agree. JPK does look like an excellent selection for the run home. And I would not be surprised if he at least rivaled what Parker averaged on the way home. So, um, big call, but um, I think think I'll back you in this one. Um, Now, the very next pick that we'll look at is Bontempelli. Um, I'll just read Uh, some scores to you. He's averaging 106, but listen to this. His first few games when he was playing the forward line... Went like this, 110, 79, 67, 83, 91, 85, right? So if you're getting that sort of player in, you, would, you wouldn't you would even look twice at him. You'd, you'd just move on. Um, since then, since being inserted into the midfield, he has two scores below 100. The rest of his scores are 149, 112, 112, 147, 127, 128 and 140. Now the two scores below 100 are 78 and 86. That is exceptional form, and he is a big POD. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's going to storm home as well. Uh, I'm probably still not going to pick him because um, I've already got my as replacement sorted. But uh, yeah, he's a great POD selection. He when he score when he goes big, he goes really big. He doesn't really need to find the pill that many times to really boost his score. No, because he, he goes and kicks um, goals as well. He goes, kicks goals, and he's, his possessions have a lot of weight as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, just like his score involvements and whatnot, he's, he's a fantastic pick. So even if he has a, let's say, 20 possession game, he could still easily pull out a score in the hundreds. Yeah, definitely. That's what's so great about Yeah, and I, I do really like him as a selection. As I said at the start of the pod, I did suggest him a couple of weeks ago for that last midfield upgrade, and he hasn't let me down. Um, now, the next person we'll look at, um, Caniglio from GWS. And people might shake their heads, but listen to his scoring this whole entire season. I'll read out his season. Now, he started the year with a 78 and 96. So, obviously... Not great. Then he's settled in a bit. And since then, he's gone 126, 127, 117, 110, 118, 135. Big purple patch there. Dropped off for a couple yeah. of games with a 95 and 66. And then since then, he's gone 108, 111, 138, and then a 75. Um, he's yeah. he's only scored five scores below 100, and two of them were in the first two weeks. And then two of them were consecutive as well um, around mid-season. Um, he's just gone way under the radar, and I, I like him as a sneaky pick as well. Yeah, um, consistency is there. Like, if you look, at, it really depends on what you're looking for and uh, what you're playing for, really. If you're playing for your overall rank, then you probably might want to stay away. But if you're playing for your leagues, he's someone that can consistently pump out the hundreds and he's not going to give you that one off week then yeah Caniglio is a very good option and I think he's averaging more than the Bont as well yeah. by about a point I mean, he is yep. yeah, he's averaging right. about 107 yeah. yeah yeah so he's had an amazing season though uh, thus far so yeah great pick 
And the second to last person that we're going to talk about, Trent Cotchen. Now, before you change the podcast, he's actually averaging 106. And of all these players we're going to talk about in this section, Josh Kennedy, Bonzapelli, Coniglio, and Steven is our last one. Spoilers alert. Um, he scored the least scores below 100 this year, believe it or not. So... His season has read this, 87, 107, 129, 104, 117. Then he fractured his cheekbone against Port with a 66. Then 151, 122, 115, 114, 99. Then tagged again in that Port game with a 67 and 104 to, to knock out the list. Now, question for you, Geary. Richmond have versed yeah. Port twice in which Cochin has averaged yeah. 66.5. In every other game, he averages well over the ton. How many more times yeah. will Richmond versus Port Adelaide from now until the end of the season? Zero. So, you wouldn't think you'd be in too much danger of scoring too many low scores. I really like this pick. Oh, I was tempted to do it as well uh, about a month or so ago. Um, be optimistic, I... Gary. Aim high. Yeah. I know. I was aiming high. I was aiming high. And I still am. Um, yeah, he's... I don't think there's that danger of Trent Cotchen going missing uh, too many more times this year. And the type of player that Trent Cotchen is, he tends to stand up in big games, in like really close games, and like the last quarter. Um, yeah, and... That really helps his score. Like, if he has a big quarter, he generally goes quite like He can have those, you know, 40-point quarters. Yeah. And that just helps his score that much better. Like, he could have, he could get you, like, you know, 60 to three-quarter time and you're thinking, oh, damn, he's going to give me another bad score. But then he'll just have an amazing last quarter and just make up for it all in the one hit. So, he's that yeah. sort of player. And I think, I, I think that, you know, you I, th- I still reckon he's a safe option. <laughs> You're so on the fence about this. I'm so on, I'm so on the fence about this because, um, yeah, the time that I was considering him, the following week, I think it was that that tag game against Port, and I'm like, oh, no, it wasn't the tag game. Sorry, it was it was the it was the cheekbone. It was yeah. actually the cheekbone. I'm thinking, I was thinking, oh man, if I picked if I picked Cochin, then I would have absolutely like jumped off the Westgate Bridge. At that point, so uh, right. Well, let me clear yeah. it up a little bit for you. First of all, if you had picked him before that game, he would have scored you 66, you would have jumped off the bridge, yeah. and then he would have followed that up with 151, 122, 115, and 114 in the next four weeks. So, you probably yeah, would have climbed out the water team. and climbed back up the bridge, and you would have been fine again. So, just yeah. to summarize, I really like Cochin as a pick, and although he's had those two stinkers in there against Port. People tend to put too much weight on those two games when thinking about selecting him. Everyone has those down yeah. games, and I just, yeah. I just don't think we should think entirely with, um, yeah. with weight on those two games. I think he's just had a great season. He's actually been consistent, and um, I mean the only, the only sort of knock is maybe Richmond is up towards the end of the season, but I don't think that's really in his nature. So I do like that pick yeah. now. Let's get to our final player, player that you and I both love the most and were just growing in um, infatuation as we spoke about him before the podcast. Not infatuation, 
infatuation, Jordan. It's love. Well, it's both. I mean, we're infatuated with yeah. him and we love him. So it's, it's both. True love, Jordan. True love. True love Jordan. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to hit you with some stats now, Gary. We're speaking of Jack Stephen. Um, yeah. In Jack Stephen's last run home, he plays Melbourne at Etihad, Bulldogs at Etihad, yeah. North Melbourne at Etihad, Carlton at the MCG, Sydney at Etihad, Richmond at the G, Brisbane at Etihad. So he plays four, five of his remaining seven games at Etihad and two of them at the G. He doesn't leave Melbourne. So how is that significant? His average this year at Etihad, 123 from eight games, including scores of 148, 138, 164, and 170. Absolutely monstrous scores. His average at the MCG, although he's only played one, he managed to get 120 in that game. Those numbers are massive. He has a good run home. He'll be competitive in at least four of those seven games in which he tends to score big. And then all the other ones are at home or at least in Melbourne. He doesn't travel for the rest of the year. Geary, I'm going to flat out say to you, this is my pick for Ablett. I'm going to flat out say to you, Jordan, this is my pick for Ablett as well. Okay, people, don't tune out. We're not being biased. These numbers are massive. I really like Jack Stephen. He averages 108 yeah. for the year, but as I said, 122 between the two venues that he'll be at for the rest of the year. I mean, I just... And he's such a point of difference. Maybe not after this podcast, but such a point of difference. Yeah. If you're looking for league, um, an edge on your league... If you're looking for a little spike in the rankings, like doing an all-or-nothing trade, Jack Stephen, just dead set, hands down, looks like the best point of difference pick um, out of everyone that we've spoken about. He's the one. Gary, you're in love, mate. I am in love. Um, I don't think we actually need to hear any more from you. Uh, You've you've really... (laughs) You've really laid down your your thoughts on um, Stephen. Now, it must be said he's had an 81... He's had a 60, he's had a 79, he's had a 52. He has had down games, but these monstrous games, they are monstrous, and they are at Etihad, and that is where he'll be. So I I just really like the pick, and of these picks that we've spoken about, these little left fielders, I'm going to say Stevens my number one, Josh Kennedy's my number two, Bonsampelli's my number three, Cochran's my number four, Caniglio's my number five, and... They are your point of difference picks. They're the picks that not many will be talking about, but if you're looking to get an edge, then uh, I'd put them above any of the boring picks we spoke about earlier, um, especially if you're looking for that little edge in your leagues and that. Thoughts, Gary? Yeah. Um, As far as my order goes, I'd say Stephen, number one, JPK, number two, uh, Cochin, three, Bontempelli, four, um, I'm probably not going to be a popular guy after that. Oh, uh, And then, yeah. Yeah, Caniglio, number five. I just think, while Bontempelli has uh, proved he can go big, um, I just, I'm just sold on uh, Cotchin's previous uh, consistency for the year. And I yeah. think that's just what ended it for me. Oh, I definitely agree. As opposed to Bontempelli. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to Bontempelli's big scores. 
Yeah, Bontempelli's running the midfield is what sold me on him, but Cochin's definitely the safer pick out of the two. But um, yeah, yeah, this is... I mean, I've got three trades left, Geary, and after this, I'm going to have two trades left. I got myself in a hole with injury, with Higgins, with Rockliffe, with every other player, Fife, all those players, and I tried to trade my way out. It's left me with not many trades left. I'll have two left yeah. after Ablett trade. I'm going for broke. I'm trading in P- PODs, players that are winning leagues, players that are winning rankings when they score big. Yeah. They might hurt me on the other side, but, I mean, it's just time to have a bit of fun in the season, and yeah. um, I hope yeah, this last, you. yeah, I hope this last 15 minutes has helped those people who are looking to do um, a similar yeah. type thing with their season, so... Yeah. Having said that, however, Jordan, yes. um, if you're if you're one of the few people that are doing really well this season, like if you're in the top 100, and I'd be seriously considering bringing in those bringing in those boring picks. Don't go for the POD simply because you want to if you want to consolidate, you know, your high ranking as a strategic move. You'd want to bring in the guys that everyone else has. So there's little opportunity for a point of difference to take you over. Yeah, but Gary, that's boring, mate. We've spoken about the boring stuff. We're not a boring I know, I know, page. I know, I know it's boring, but if it's... if you To the guy that's number one in Supercoach right now... He's not, not listening. listening to me. No, he's not listening to you. Huh? He's not listening to you, he's Gary. Not listen- no. He's not listening to me. He's going to bring in Jack Seaton this week, isn't he? I hope so. It'll, it'll get him the win. I'd, <laughs> I'd lock him in for the win yeah, from there. Yeah, I'll get him 50. Um, but yeah, like if you want to consolidate, you know, your high ranking or your number one spot in your leagues, um, I think that's the. Uh, it's at that point you really consider bringing in the uh, boring picks that everyone else has. Yeah, be boring like Geary, everyone. If you want to consolidate yeah, your high rankings in your fancy schmancy leagues, everyone be boring like Geary. <laughs> Having said that, you are trading in Jack Stevens, so I can't really say too much. No, I am trading in Jack Stevens. Yeah, because <laughs> right. yeah, I'm not ranked. I'm not in the top 100. I'm not in the top 100, Jordan. You're not in the top 20,000. No, well, you are. Sorry, that that was okay. harsh. That was a cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the top 20,000, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that no, note, Geary, on that note, Geary, we're going to sign off on the podcast yeah. and stop dribbling um, crap because everyone's probably turned us off by now anyway, so... Um, thank you very much for joining me this week, mate. It's good to see Libba's going to get up for this week, but trade him anyway. It's shit to see Gary Uplitz yeah. just killed our season even more, but why did we trust him? And um, let's hope for no more injuries this week, mate. Yeah, let's hope. All right, good luck, community.